Vegas is set. The first couple of days of the in-season tournament are over, and we have the last four teams. Uh, today, me and Enoch discuss the games that happened on Monday and Tuesday, and then we make our predictions for the rest of the way. And we discuss the Kings, and they've been struggling a little bit, so we discuss what, what changes they can make internally. It's a good episode. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Full Court Press, brought to you by your boy Enoch and your co-host Angus. Yes, sir. Episode 20. 20. Episode. We done 20 of these things. I cannot believe it. I mean, I, I swear it just feels like yesterday when you were like, are you down to do an NBA podcast? And I just said, I just said, fuck it. And I bought the podcast <laughs> mic the very next day. And now here we are, 20 episodes. 20 fucking episodes it is actually 11 11 on tuesday december 5th just got finishing finished she just got finished watching uh the final games of the first round of the in-season tournament the very first in-season tournament of nba history what are your thoughts on this new thing angus um i i like it but one thing that's getting really annoying is that is how the media is presenting it. They're presenting it as like, oh look, these these teams are playing way harder than usual. Look at this <laughs> in season tournament. But I, I just think that this is a way for them to, you know, gain the attention of casual fans because it adds a nice little it adds some chapters to the NBA season because we have NBA tip off and then it gets a little bit stale until Christmas time. But now you have yeah. the in season tournament that kind of facilitates into that Christmas break. And then after Christmas, we're going to have um, the the trade deadline and then the All-Star game within a month. Yeah. And that's like another chapter in the NBA. And then after the trade deadline, it's like, okay, some new faces on these teams. It's down almost to the playoff stretch. Let's see what these teams are made of. So I guess the in-season, team, in-season tournament is just like adding a nice little change up in the regular season. And I think it's here to stay. I just think that um, they're probably going to get a corporate sponsorship for that name. I don't think it's going to be called the NBA Cup. I have a feeling that it's going to end up being like to whatever company wants to buy like the broadcast rights. Maybe the Amazon like Cup. The Sprite in-season tournament. <laughs> it will be Starry, bro. Starry. Um, shit, Starry. Starry's <laughs> goaded, bro. Um, but yeah, I think the beginning of the season, besides you know opening night, everyone's always tuned in to watch their favorite teams, but... Definitely like a lull during that stretch that um and I'm not gonna lie, I didn't think much of the tournament, but I I found myself being more interested on Tuesdays and Fridays. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that brings a lot to the to the to the league and especially for like, you know, exposure in the early early uh start of the season. I remember before I had uh really like cable or anything like that. ABC didn't play games until after Christmas or Christmas and then, you know, after Christmas, you know, it was just like the season didn't even exist for the casual fan. But but now, yeah, I like I like this. I like the uh, one thing I do like is our Kings getting all this national television exposure. You know, we had a bunch of games already without the in-season tournament, but making it top eight um, is we're even getting even more exposure, and I, and I love it. But let's talk about the the Suns and Lakers game that we just watched. Um, yeah. What are some of your takeaways? Suns and Lakers, I just think um, the Suns. So Devin Booker was forced to play point guard a lot, and the Lakers increased his ball pressure, bringing Jared Vanderbilt to help, bringing LeBron James to help, and they forced Devin Booker into a horrendous shooting night to Devin Booker standards. And I think seven turnovers. I mean, Devin Booker doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's he learned a lot from the first half. Yeah, five in the first half, and I I know he's learned how to handle the ball better by playing with Chris Paul for those couple of years. But this goes on to show that the Lakers, I mean, that the Suns need something more, something that to facilitate facilitate the offense, someone as a connector piece. Uh, I I think that's what they're going shopping for at the trade deadline. That's what this game showed. Yeah, I, I mean they they could use Bradley Beal too. <laughs> they they could use Bradley Beal. Like um, just but, one more guy to pass out to 
you know, they have Allen and Eric Gordon out there, but it seems like it's either one or the other that's going off. It's either Allen or Gordon. It's never both having solid games. If you have but, uh, Bradley Beal on your starting five, which which is crazy, dude. We're like almost 30, se- 30 games into the season. We haven't seen them play once together. Yeah, Bradley Beal's dealing with a back issue, and those can get really tricky. Those can actually, especially for a guy entering his 30s, that could really impact the rest of his playing career. We know how bad Ben Simmons has been affected. Jared Wallace was forced to retire because of it. J.J. Redick retired early because he had back problems. So those are serious issues. And if you look at like some of the videos you've been seeing on social media with him warming up, he looks so stiff when shooting his jump shot. Yeah, I mean, uh, injuries are nothing new to Bradley Beal, which is a shame, but it just seems like these these super teams never work out. I, but I think it's also like the older these players get, the easier it is to to assemble guys like that. You know, you see it on the Clippers. You, you see it on, you know, the Suns. You saw it in the Nets, you know, a couple years ago. So these guys, these guys are, you know, trying to get one last push, you know, besides Devin Booker. Um, but besides tonight and the, the turnover struggles, I do like Devin Booker at point guard. Like it, it's just something like, you know, P- you know, Popovich experimenting with, uh, Jeremy Sohan at the one, it almost feels like that just a little bit where it's like, this guy is kind of out of place, but there's games where this guy gets 30 and 11, you know, 30 and 10 and like those type of games. Man, you just it just kind of like man, this guy can actually pass, and obviously he's the best passer on their team right now. But I do agree with you; it, he he can't be the best passer. He can't be everything. He can't be your best scorer and your best playmaker. Mm-hmm. I know I know you have Kevin Durant. Um, one notable, it was just like a battle of the goats from like a decade ago. Kevin Durant and LeBron James just going back and forth. There was times during the game I wasn't even really watching, but all I hear is the announcer just, LeBron, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Kevin Durant. And I'm just like, man, this brings me back a little bit. It brings you back to those classic duos that we used to see um, back in the day, whether it was like Kobe against D-Wade or or LeBron against, against Carmelo, those classic duos. But um, also LeBron going at Devin Booker. He took advantage. Anytime Devin Booker ended up on LeBron, he just went straight at him. LeBron finishing with nearly a triple-double. Uh, 31 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists. I'm He moves way better than the way he moved last year. And, like, he had that foot injury scare. And he went to go see the LeBron James of feet. But what whatever steroids I injected LeBron with, like keep on doing it because he's, I'm I've never seen him move like this. He hasn't moved like this since 2019. He looks really good. And and in the beginning of the season when you know he's trying to get in, back in shape, back in season shape, it was like the the Lakers are asking a lot from him, and it just seemed like every game he just looked a little bit more tired every game. But we're starting to get d- down the stretch of the season. Not really, but just you know, we're we're we've had a couple games on our belt, and LeBron does not look like he's slowing down, and mm-hmm. this is fucking crazy because the man is almost forty years old. You think about Vince Carter when he was in the league at this age, bro was like he could barely run up and down the floor, like he was just a corner specialist that would get put in, like you know, if you need that veteran presence. It's like at max, like Andre Iguodala in like two three years. You know what I mean? Like, but this guy's. 38 and he's and he's and he's tomahawk dunking and he's carrying his team to wins and games that fucking matter it's i don't know if we'll ever see this again someone this dominant and this healthy at his size mm-hmm. so if you guys didn't know lebron's my goat by the way lebron's your goat well um i i think one interesting thing to take away from these in-season tournament games I mean, we only gone through the first slate of games, and right now we're going on to the the Vegas part of this tournament. But teams can see where their weaknesses are and see how their team performs in games that matter. I mean, um, looking at the the Pacers and Celtics game, I don't know if we can judge the Celtics because they didn't have Chris Porzingis, but he yeah. Chris Porzingis does something for that Celtics offense and defense 
that missing him just didn't seem like a fair fight. They still kept it close, but I'm not. But these type of tournaments are perfect for teams like the Pacers, uh, teams like the Pelicans, who ha- who are young, who you know need to ramp up a bit. And this is like the type of the time of the year and the type of games where these type of teams will thrive. I think in the future. Yeah. Let's talk about that Pacers Celtics game because out of the four games in the in season mm-hmm. tournament, I know the Kings played, but I'm not gonna lie. This t- this game in particular was definitely the most interesting to me because mm-hmm. you have you know statistically the best team in the league going against a team that doesn't really have any history of being good in the Pacers. You know, since Paul George or whatever, Roy Hibbert, crazy days. You know, but. They beat them by 10, and it was a pretty convincing win. Like you said, no Kristaps, so you can't judge them. But, bro, this team has basically everyone else. And it's like, they, you know, even without Kristaps, you got to think that it's got to be a tough te- tough game for the Pacers to win this. And one thing I will say is give, yes, give the Pacers players some credit. Um. But give Rick Carlisle some credit too, because that man coaches ass off. And just knowing that Chris Kristoff's not there, they can get in the paint when this Pacers team is primarily a outside scoring threat. You know, they they'll beat you from the outside. They have a lot of shooters. Um, really killed the Pacers. I mean, the Celtics inside, and the Pacers had had nothing to show for it. Uh, to I mean, they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, um, I mean, something about the Pacers is that they're not the type of team that will stop you. I think they're a bottom three team in defense, but yeah. they just they just have the ability to outscore you, and um, they play with a lot of pace. They get up yep. and down the floor, even on on fast breaks. I mean, even on uh, dead balls situations, because like like what James Harden says, like he says that he's a system. Tyrese Halliburton is a system. Same with Nikola Jokic. I think all you got to do is be able to play around Tyrese, cut when you have yeah. to, run the floor, and Tyrese will find you. Do any early action that gets you some shots at the rim or even spaced out to the three, and he will find you. 100%. I, you know, I think me and you could both agree that this team isn't great defensively. Um, but I think I think this is a, one of those situations where um, a team buys in completely to the offensive side. And it kind of says, yeah, you know, defense, eh, let's do what we're good at. And they're good at scoring. So mm-hmm. this yeah. team, like you said, yeah, they have pace and they have a mini Jokic. Um, I tweeted the other day, I said, uh, I said, the Pacers are a, a good team disguised as a bad one. And and then you replied, I didn't even see it, but I, I saw it a couple of days later, but you replied and said uh, the other way around. And I yeah. thought about that a little bit. Um and 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 I actually want you to elaborate on that after this, but I thought about that a little bit, and I was I was almost going to agree with you, but the only reason I didn't is because their point guard Tyrese fucking Halliburton, and when you have a a guy like this who could potentially be a top five guy in the league, you just can't count them out. And I think when if I'm teetering on whether they're a good team or a bad team, I would teeter more on them being a good team just because they have a guy like Tyrese. Yeah, but I mean, I can't, I can't say for sure that they're a good team. They do seem like one of those lower end good teams where they'll probably be like around five hundred when the season ends. Uh, just because they ha- they have a decent amount of losses on their schedule so far that are kind of iffy. Because one of their principles to just being a good team is that you have to consistently beat the bad teams. Like that's yeah. how you even have a good record. And then they they lost to the likes of the Bulls, all right. They lost to the likes of uh, the Hornets, who and I don't think the Bulls. Real quick, I don't think the Bulls are as bad as people think they are. Like the, people are saying they should blow it up. Uh, yes, they're like teetering on, like you said a couple weeks ago, they're in the worst spot any team could be, is mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, but bro, they're not even that bad. Like they're they're losing to teams that are good. I don't know, but you you're you're saying the Hornets. The horn, yeah, the Hornets. I don't think the Hornets are that good. But one thing I noticed about the Pacers is that they do play up to their competition. Like if it's against one of those Eastern Conference powerhouses, like they yeah, definitely like the do. Celtics. They 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 absolutely sprint up and down the floor the whole game. 
not worrying about who scores. And they play their heart off, and they follow their team principles around their, their leader, their vocal leader, Tyrese Halliburton. And they just play with such great energy that it's going to tire out the good teams. And you got to think that out of the two teams in the Pacers and the Celtics, there's one team that cares a little bit more about this in-season tournament, you know? Yeah, the Pacers. Because, like, exactly. you have to think about they 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 didn't make the playoffs last year, and um, they were kind of a young team. And, like, the Celtics, the Celtics have bigger fish to fry. They know that they're more concerned about going for a championship. But the Pacers have to win something meaningful to show the city of Indianapolis something, to get them some hope, maybe show the GM and the city that they're ready to compete for something much bigger. But, I mean, my stance about, like, whether or not you're a good team is whether or not you have, like, two great players. Like, you have Tyrese Halliburton, but where's your second all-star, even fringe all-star? They don't have yeah. that on this team. It's hard. I mean, if you look at the Eastern Conference, I'm just going up and down the standings right here. Just going up and down the standings, looking at the East. The Celtics have, you know, the Jays. They basically have like four to five All-Stars on their team. Did you say the Jays? Yeah, the Jays. Jason Tatum <laughs> and uh, Jalen Brown. And Drew? Oh, Drew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> crazy, the bro. The, did you just make that up? No, that's that's been a thing. They they oh, the Celtics fans okay. called the uh, Jason and Jalen the Jays. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. I thought you just pulled that out of your ass. No. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, but looking at the teams ahead of the Pacers, like directly ahead, the Knicks have two players that they can call their stars: Jalen Brunson, yeah. Julius Randle. Even the Heat, they, those two play good today. Both. Yeah, Julius Randle did play good. We'll get to that later. And even the Heat, they have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who really looks like he's become the number one on this team. Uh, yes. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis should take notes. But shout out to oh Bam. God, Bam bro. Bam's been the best player on the Heat this season. And yeah. maybe when Tyler Hero comes back, he can be the good complimentary third star to Jimmy and Bam. And then yeah. you know they got Jaime Jaquez. I think the Pacers, yes, another guy um, – could be could help them. I think another big man. But when you think about Miles Turner, he he's a good player, but not necessarily that second star that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also in a weird way, the fact that they don't have a no, another solidified two, like mm-hmm. number two guy, does kind of help them when it comes to pace. When you have two guys that need the ball, it's hard to keep the pace up. You have to pass it. But when the ball is con- consistently in Halliburton's hand. Give it to him on the break. He can move it. He can distribute, and they can. And everybody is running because they know with a guy like Halliburton, you make the right cut, you're going to get the ball. Same with playing like guys like Jokic. Um, if you make the right cut, you're going to get the ball. And when playing this team, so much pace, just in a weird way, it helps him almost. But I, I do, I do agree. Like you, if you. There is um, a ceiling for this team, and that ceiling is not a championship. Mm-hmm. But well, something about the way that the Pacers play is that a lot of their offense come from one star, and we've seen teams like this in the past, like the early Nuggets with Jokic and Paul Millsap and those other guys, maybe the running gun uh, Steve Nash Suns. That when Tyrese Halliburton isn't on the court, their offense slips, and they don't have a defense that they can fall back on. I think yeah. I read somewhere that they really only have like three plus defenders that's consistently in their lineup, and Aaron Neesmith, uh, Andrew Nemhard, and T.J. McConnell. Everyone else is virtually a negative on that side of the floor. So when you don't have your star, you have to fall back on your defense to help you win some games, and they don't have that. They do not have that at all. Yeah, it's it's interesting think, the way they play. Do you think? This year's Pacers are better or worse than last year's Kings. That's funny you say that because I was going to compare the two. I was going to say they're pretty similar when it comes to, um, you know, not consistently beating the teams they're supposed to beat. They look great against, you know, playing up to better competition. They look great against certain teams and then the teams that you, you should beat. Like, I think we dropped two in a row to the Rockets last year, did we not? At home. Yeah. We did, and it's just like shit like no, that. No, we, then, we never lost to the Rockets last year. I think two in a row. I think we lost to the Sixers twice, and one time they didn't have Embiid. But I'm not. I know. I, I don't I think, know. I. I 
think I know who you're talking about, but but it, it was a consistent thing. Well, we were losing to these teams that you know you look at the schedule, you're like that's a dub, mm-hmm. and then you know they didn't. Um, but I I think I'd say no because like you said, bro, the Kings last year had two stars, all stars, and the Pacers don't. And what happens when Halliburton gets hurt, like last year? The Pacers are not a good team anymore. And they're not beating a team like the Celtics without Halliburton. And it's not even close. So I'd say no. But I think maybe if they get one more guy, or if maybe a guy like Benedict Matherin could, could uh, you know, grow into a budding star. He's mm-hmm. looked kind of iffy, but yeah, I'd, I'd say no. What, what, what do you think? Wait, what was the question? Like, if, if they're <laughs> better, oh, you if they're better the than uh, this is my question. If they're better you than said, the Kings, no, uh, I don't you, think that yeah. they're better than the Kings last year. Uh, just because maybe my biases, but I don't think Rick Carlisle is as strong as a coach as Mike Brown. But who knows? I I do like a lot of players on this team, but without the second star, then like this team isn't as good. So yeah. I got the Kings. I'm the hometown. Are player. you concerned at all? with the way that the Celtics played, particularly without Kristaps and also with the play of, of Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew Holiday recently, I love that guy. I think he's probably been the best defensive guard of our generation, but I think that he does shrink a lot in moments on the mm. big stages. Um, but that's what you have Derek White for. Derek White is one of those guys that contribute to winning, I think Derek White is a fringe all-star. Probably could have been an all-star when he was with San Antonio. He can make a push this year. He could, especially now that he's not playing with Marcus Smart anymore. But I'm I'm not really too concerned with the Celtics. Probably the biggest area that I think will lead to their downfall is the fact that they don't like they don't try to get in the paint as often. Sometimes I feel like they have a lot of drive and kick in their offense, but they just settle for a lot more threes. Like I think I read yeah. somewhere that Al Horford doesn't shoot any free throws; he just stays on the perimeter. And then Chris stops. Um, I don't. I'm not seeing a lot of Chris stops post ups. And I was hoping that they'll go back to that this year. Yeah, I, they have almost no inside game besides Tatum getting to the bucket and Brown sometimes getting to the bucket. I did observe this season. Um, tell me, tell me what you think about this. Um, I feel like the Celtics kind of have a little bit of overlap, like we like. Uh, they say about the nut, you know, what we've talked about before, mm-hmm. having too much of the same thing. An example being, who really is their one or two guys? It just seems like there's a lot of guys that that need the ball, and mm-hmm. a prime example is Drew Holiday with his dud. And you think a guy, okay, Kristaps isn't here. More shots for Drew. More shots for Derek White, but. You, you, I'm seeing a lot of Tatum has a really good game and Brown has a really shitty game. Tatum, Tatum has a really shitty game and Brown has a really good game. Drew Holiday has a really good game. And you could say maybe, yeah, that's great. They have more depth. When someone's having a bad game, someone else can step up. But the flip side of it is that when you go out and you don't know who's taking the shots tonight, is it going to be Tatum? Is it going to be Brown? Is it going to be Holiday? And you just kind of go out there and you figure it out during the game. I think that there is some downfall to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I, I kind of want to expand on that. Um, I mean, to answer your question, in my personal opinion, I think that the one is Jason Tatum and the two is actually Christos Porzingis. Okay, think, that's that's actually valid. Okay. Cause, well, especially think, the way Brown's been oh, playing this season. Jalen Brown, Brown has been playing well this season, but it looks like he's not like fully integrated into the offense. It's like you'll see Jason Tatum get it going, Kristaps get it going, Derek White gets a couple of backdoor cuts here, and then Jalen Brown just like chucks up a shot. Like Let me just I say, don't, he, he's not playing like the highest paid player on that team. Yeah, he's not pay, playing like the highest paid player in history, bro. He's the highest yeah. paid yes, player in yes, history. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I think he wants. There's a part of pride in him that like he wants to show that he's the highest paid player on this team, but in reality, he might be better suited off as more of a three. Someone that mm. is he the Bosch? Do you think Jalen Brown is the Chris Bosch of this trio? Uh, I don't know. That's hard to compare because they they play different positions. 
I don't know. I, I'd say I I think Jalen Brown is a two. I just think he's he's just he's trying to figure it out, and it's just the inconsistency for me. It's it's just it's kind of glaring. And I will say, bro, I know Jason Tatum had a good good game, thirty two six and twelve rebounds. Um, but but like you said about Holiday kind of falling in the moments, like bro. Yes, we've seen some big games from Jason Tatum when he needs it. But, bro, we need to see him play good every single game. Like, that is the last step to where he can become a great, to where we have him in the same conversations as Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Durant, you know what you're getting from him every game. In a playoff game, you know that he's going to hurt you. Tatum, you're like, Tatum can hurt you. Tatum will hurt you if you do these things. But you don't know if he will hurt you every single night. And I think that that's the last step for him where where it's like this guy is – we all know what he can do. It's just a matter of can he do it every single time and can he do it when the Celtics need it most. And mm-hmm. you saw it last year in the playoffs. They couldn't get the job done. They had so many chances. I know that very last game Tatum rolled his ankle – but throughout the series, they had plenty of opportunities to just take over the series. And and it's not Tatum's fault, but when you are regarded as the number one on the best team in the league, a lot of that weight falls on your shoulders. Well, I, I do think that you're forgetting about his Game 7 performance against the Rockets. But, I mean, not against the Rockets, against against the Sixers. I just think of uh, James Harden just mel- melting down just like back in Houston. I mean, J- yeah. Jason Tatum had a historic Game 7 against the Sixers uh, to match Steph Curry's 51. But um, I'm not I mean, saying I'm right. not saying he can't do it. And uh, we've seen him do it. You know, he had he had 55 against uh, against. Uh, uh, yeah, he had 55 in one game. I, I forgot. But but we've seen him do it. You know what I mean? But it's it's just. Can he do it every single time? Like mm-hmm. it just we can't have games where he has fifteen points, seventeen points. Like you need, he needs to be on the top of the scoring, like the stats sheet every single night on the Celtics team. I just, I mean, something about him is that he is a volume shooter. So when he's off, he is off, and like he won't stop shooting. And I think that he does become too jump shot reliable, even though he is like six foot eight. And Bro, he's such a good attacker. Like he gets yeah. to the brim. If he was more aggressive when his jump shot's not falling and maybe get to the free throw line more, I think that would really help his game. I don't see any reason why he's not in the top three, top five for free throws per game. I feel like that's yeah. somewhere where he would thrive with the Shays of the world, with the Lucas of the world. Bro, there's no reason he shouldn't be. Yes, that's exactly, exactly, bro. He just lives. You know, a, you know a good comparison to Jason Tatum? What? Julius Randle. Julius Randle, Loki. Comparison, Kobe. Julius Randle. Julius Randle. No. In in the sense in the sense of the threes. Just chucking threes. It's just it's. It, I there's, can see in the sense of chucking threes, but um. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Just okay when okay he has different options available. Like you can go to the basket, you can shoot a midi, but you know let's take a step back three, instead. And attack mismatches. That's something he loves doing a lot. Attack mismatches even when it's not really that much of a mismatch. Just falls in love with the ISO game. But, I mean, I was a little bit caught off guard when you said Julius Randle. But I get it now (laughs) since you explained that's just because he's chucking threes. But I I think with Julius Randle, there's something about body language when things are going bad that I I cannot, like, compare to any other player. Mm. That's true. So um, let's talk about the other game that we saw, the Kings Pelicans game. That yes, game, sir. that game was actually hard to watch. I mean, we got off to a great start with some hot shooting in the first quarter, but then the Pelicans came back because they're an extremely, extremely good team. And holy crap, when this team finally gets Trey Murphy back integrated, sucks that Larry Nance is out, but I think. With Trey Murphy, they have enough. They have a lot of options they can go to. Uh, they they pulled out this small ball death lineup that kind of killed us last night. They rolled out C.J. McCollum, Trey Murphy, 
Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, and then Zion at the center. I think that's a crazy lineup to run. That is and I crazy. Think, and I think that the Pelicans are getting healthy at the right time and that this in-season tournament is going to show the world why they could potentially sneak in into conference championship talks. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it is about Brandon Ingram and the Kings, but boy, that, that bro likes playing against the Kings. I said it before to you, Angus. The Pelicans, they're a fucking nightmare matchup for the Kings. And I don't I just don't I really have nothing to say about that. It's they're too big. They're too tall. We can't guard them. We don't have anyone to slap on Brandon Ingram. We don't have anyone to slap on Zion. We don't have anyone to to stay near Herb Jones. Trey Murphy's gonna kill us. Fucking Jose Alvarado is killing us. Like what's going on? Trey you know, Murphy just... is actually the best connector piece between Zion and Brandon Ingram. Like to begin the season, Zion and Brandon Ingram haven't been playing well together. They don't run a lot of pick and roll or actions that involve both of them. And actually the team does worse when both of them sit. But I think since Trey Murphy came back, that those numbers have completely changed. Just because they have a guy that they can just use as like a hub. Like Trey Murphy's threat helps helps Zion get open uh open looks at the rim. And then all that spacing Trey Murphy provides helps Brandon Ingram get to the basket. He's really good at attacking the basket and then stopping for a pull up. And his three ball. I mean, I think he he's hungry, especially after all the talks after Team USA. I think he's hungry to show that he's he's capable of being a winning player, and maybe Zion is ready for that commitment too. But Zion does look slow. I've seen a lot of plays where he just like absolutely gives up once once like the Kings got an offensive rebound. He was slow to like go back out to Harrison Barnes, who was his assignment. But Harrison Barnes probably couldn't make them pay anyways. Oh God! Four fucking points from Harrison Barnes in thirty plus minutes. minutes. Uh, yeah, I I can't even really. It's just it's not his fault. You know what I mean? He shouldn't be starting. It's not his fault that we have no one better than him. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it sucks. Um, I think I said last week though, or the last time we recorded that, uh, it would be nice to see Zion in a place where he didn't have to be the number two. And not saying that he's not, but this game. He was like their third, fourth option, and they looked really good when it comes to pace. Um, as good as Zion is, I think when he ISOs and tries to go downhill one on one, the success rate is pretty high. But it it does kind of slow down that team. Um, you saw Brandon Ingram getting his buckets, and then herb jones getting his buckets trey murphy getting his buckets mccollum getting his buckets and then zion was almost just kind of like a lob put back threat small ball center they look they look really scary bro if if health persists for them this is a team that you have to watch out because they can match up with anybody they they play against the pel they play against the lakers next the thing that the pelicans have is they they got all this size they got all this yeah. length. They got all this depth. I think they're they could probably be like twelve deep into the rotation and still be fine. Cause like and they off have the shooting. bench, off the bench, you still have Dyson Daniels, who who they like for his size and playmaking, kind of like a Jalen Johnson off the bench. And then they mm-hmm. have Jose Alvarado, who who brings a lot of energy. Najee Marshall, uh, Larry Nance got injured, but he's another great piece that they have off the bench. And not to forget, we they have Jordan Hawkins, who was getting serious minutes with all the injuries at the beginning of the season. He didn't uh, even play. He he didn't even play in this game. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're good. They're they're really good. I, I well, it's just. What are you gonna go say? Ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's glaring what we need to fix as as a Kings fan. Um, mm-hmm. We need to get taller. We need to get a guy like Herb Size. Jones on. We need someone to help. Sabonis with these these front court struggles getting rebounds protecting the rim it can't just be him because you know Keegan can't do it mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes can't do it you got you got you have a three at the three and then you have a three at the four you know what I mean so it's like a slow footed Sab- three that plays the four and and then we have a small center in Sabonis you know he's strong but he's still small it it, I mean, it but looks like. But given Sabonis' li- uh, abilities and his limitations, there's not a lot of players that would fit next to him. I mean, the only players that come to my mind 
would probably be like someone like Herb Jones, a Jonathan Isaac, and Aaron Gordon. Jaron Jackson. Uh, Jaron Jackson. Nas Reed. I don't know about Nas Reed. I think they're too. He's too slow. They need someone that's a little bit more athletic, someone that can space the floor a little bit. But yeah, it's slim pickings for sure. That's why a guy like Herb Jones is so valuable, and why a team like the Pelicans aren't going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a guy like OG Ananobi. But it's just crazy because there was a play where where Sabonis got a rebound, and um, or no, he was trying to get a rebound on an offensive offensive rebound, and. Three Pelicans were around him, and not a single one of them was a center. It was Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, and uh, Trey Murphy. And oh my God, it looked like Sabonis was in a, a forest, like like yeah, those surrounded by redwoods. Three three guys are six eight plus. That's a luxury to have. And I wish and the, the Kings could have like at least one of those. One more. And Sabonis than did not. Lawrence. Sabonis did not get that rebound, bro. And there was. Three non-centers that that were just just made it impossible for him, and it's just like the Kings. That's what the Kings lack. And I, I have a question for you, Angus. Right now, right now, who's better, the number one seed in the West in the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. or this Pelicans team that is finally healthy? Oh, they played earlier this season. I believe that the Timberwolves won that game, but with the way that Zion is finally coming to his own. If we exclude the Kings game, uh, looking at how Brandon Ingram's doing with the ball in his hands, and and all the depth that the Pelicans have, I'm gonna have to go to the Pelicans. And if they were playing in a series, I put my money on the Pelicans. Interesting. It's almost like putting Ant versus Bi. Ant and Bi, and then Carlton Towns against who are, against Zion, and then Rudy Gobert against Jonas. Well, I just feel like those are the two best teams, two best players on their respective mm-hmm. teams, and they both have a really good surrounding ca- cast, and they both have length, they both have shooting, they both have the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have all those things, if it's a close game, it does come down to your stars, and when it comes to that, who's better? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know that Brandon Ingram wouldn't want to guard Anthony Edwards, but I know Anthony Edwards would want to guard Brandon Ingram. That's so true, man. I, I just I would agree with with the talent level. I would take the Pelicans. They have a little bit more shooting. They have a little more versatility when it comes to like 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 more um, you know tall forwards instead of tall big men that can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anthony Edwards, man, there's something about that kid. He's he's a dog. I'll t- I'll take him over anyone any any day just because I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan as well. But let's 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 transition to the Kings now. I mean, I was really excited. I was talking all this trash about the Kings and Pacers meeting in the in the finals for an NBA Cup, but <laughs> I just I'm I'm a little bit disappointed. I couldn't do the pod last night because this game had me so heated. Shut I just, the fuck up. And 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 like I'm a big Harrison Barnes fan. I always stand by him because I felt like. He's he was the type of guy that the Kings needed when we first traded for him, but yeah. I feel like the Kings have finally outgrown him, being a starter. The Kings yeah. no longer need him to be the vet that shows the ropes, and I I hate that Mike Brown is unwilling to switch up the starting lineup, because I do think it's time for a change. Harrison Barnes off the bench is a luxury to have. I feel because of the way that he's able to he'll be able to get his post ups, his post ups when we were really bad as a team helped us generate some sort of offense and I think that's gonna be important for him off the bench to be to bring to the Kings off the bench. Especially when we have Malik Monk creating for him. Malik Monk doesn't have a, a wing size shooter coming off the bench with him. The best he has is Chris Duarte. And then moving Harrison Barnes to the bench fixes that problem of the Duarte minutes because he's been absolutely horrendous to begin the season. Well if you take um Harrison out the starting lineup, who do you put in, in your opinion? In my opinion, in a perfect world, it will be Sasha. But for right now, I have to do Trey Lyles. Yeah. And here, here's something interesting, all right? And per 36 numbers, Harrison Barnes averages 13.5 points, 3.7 rebounds, and 1.7 assists. 
For Trey Lyles, his per 36 is 13.5 points, the same as Harrison Barnes, 2.6 assists, more than Harrison Barnes, and 9.1 rebounds. 9.1 rebounds to 3.7 rebounds for Harrison Barnes. Trey Lyles versus Harrison Barnes. And what this is telling me, given that their per 36 points are the same, that Trey Lyles is not the type of guy that needs offense to run through him. He'll 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 do other things like maybe he'll set a hard screen. Maybe he'll get into the face of uh of, of uh, Brooke Lopez. Maybe he gets in the face of Jonas Valanciunas. But he'll also <laughs> rebound the ball for us. And I think that if you're if Harrison Barnes is unable to provide us a steady stream of offense, he has to be able to do something. Maybe defend. Maybe get rebounds. But he doesn't do any of that. And I know with Trey Lyles, he's gonna bring some sort of leadership. He's going to be able to um, get rebounds, fight for offensive rebounds, go for loose balls, uh, maybe take a couple of charges, and also help facilitate the offense. Harrison Barnes just doesn't do any of that. I'm, I just I was so right about him. I've been so right about him for so long now. I I'm not. I don't even have to agree with you, bro. <laughs> you already know how I feel. I, I've turned to your side, but I felt like now mine is warranted. It's warranted because he was decent for us last year. Bro, he just mine was warranted too. Fuck, the, fuck you mean, bro. Bro, you only say after he had a bad game. Okay, but it was just like, man, he would lose us games. Like, just straight up lose us games by himself. I just and he's still he's, doing that. He was the third. He had the third most minutes on the Kings behind Sabonis and, and Fox. Yeah, he did. He did. I think Mike Brown respects the vet too much. But, you know, Mike Brown was also part of the Warriors team where they brought Iguodala off the bench. And I think that if the if Barnes is more of an Iguodala role, the Kings could maybe be a better team. It's going to be like when the Kings, I mean, when the Warriors, they, they bench David Lee for Draymond Green. It's going to be like that. I mean, at least I'm romanticizing it and thinking this is how it would be and this is how we become 2025 champions. We we need to make a move um, before the trade deadline. And yeah, Harrison Mars. I think McNair, McNair's patient. I mean, we still really haven't seen Sasha in at full speed yet. I do like what he brings to the Kings, though. I mean, he was important for us for taking on the Warriors. I think he had a defensive rating 87 and an offensive rating of, like, 130. That's not bad. And that's not bad. That's pretty fucking good. And I think that he's sneakily good on defense. Like, obviously, he's not going to be able to stay in front of an extremely fast wing. But ask him to slide over and help. He's going to get his hands in the passing lanes. Yeah. Ask him to help double team. I think his traps with De'Aaron Fox and Sasha on Stephen Curry – uh, in that one uh, in-season game, really, really helped us seal that game. He for sure has. He for sure has IQ. That's that's definitely that mm-hmm. is definitely a part of defense for sure. It's not just how well you are on Steph Curry. Um, but it would be interesting to see him play more. I just think that with this team, you've just you've dealt so much with. Uh, I mean, we talked about buying into your offense, so this could that could be interesting. I do like the Trey Lyles moving in for Harrison Barnes. I think that's our best option. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still not it's still not a great option, but you've seen Trey Lyles. We've seen Trey Lyles, you know, play really well recently. We've also seen him get to the line too, and that's something that Harrison Barnes brings. So we're not missing out on that. Um, yeah, Fox didn't play too good, and we talked about the height and the length that the Pelicans team has. And you could just for sure see it bothering De'Aaron. And it just, it sucks, man. It's like Sabonis is playing like, you know, he had a triple-double. He played great. But he's working his ass off, man. He just has to do everything. And when when your star guy is struggling, he had 30. But bro missed a lot of shots. Kevin Herter, 12 points, bro. You need more from him. Malik, 21, played great off the bench. But really, that was basically it. Keegan had a quiet 14. Uh, Harrison had four. No one on our bench really played good besides Malik. And mm-hmm. it's... it's uh, I, I don't know, bro. Well, what were, in your opinion, give me your your two main reasons why we lost this game. It could be uh, a fault of ours or a fault or their, on, them, on their side. 
I think the length really did bother us. I thought that the Pelicans did a good job of like getting into the pass lanes on just some of our basic actions. Like I think the Kings run a lot of actions where um like the Fox passes the ball Sabonis to Sabonis and then he Sabonis immediately passes the ball back to Fox. The Pelicans did a good job of interrupting that flow. And since yeah. our offense is predicated on flow and reading cuts that other team teammates are making, like once you disrupt the pass, those deflections, like I feel like the flow was broken up. Like the offense is discombobulated. Maybe Kev doesn't cut when he's supposed to. Maybe Keegan doesn't flash out to the three when he's supposed to. And those little things add up over the course of a game. 100%. I mean, we, 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 we were up fifteen and then we were down fifteen. That's a thirty point swing. So yeah. that's 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 reason one. And I think two, uh, we just lacked the same physical athletic specimen that the that the Pelicans have. I mean, one of the weirdest things about the Kings is that we allow not a lot of threes. We don't allow a lot of shots at the rim. We have the you know, the shot makeup of like a good team. We we let teams shoot mid ranges. We can test three pointers. I mean, this is based on advanced stats, but it's just that the te- like teams are just shooting great on us, and it just makes us look like a bad defensive team. Like it's not like we're not contesting, and I think some people have theorized that the Kings just don't have the athleticism and defensive ability to make us a good team. Cause Kev Kev has great length, six seven, but he plays smaller. Uh, Keegan is the only one that has length, and he's starting to use his length a lot more. But that's the type of length you see at your three. Like, our twos and our four has to make up for that, too. Yeah. It's glaring. I think, yeah, we need more length (laughs) just to be better defensively. But I'm looking at the stats from that game. It's it's crazy because most of our stats are semi-identical. Both teams made 14 three-pointers you know uh the pelicans shot a little bit better field field goal percentage wise but defense uh, um, rebound wise pretty much the same there's like a three three rebound difference um assist exactly the same 29 turnovers 12 and 13 um they killed us in points in the paint fouls is about the same but here's the glaring one when it comes to stocks uh short for blocks and steals 19 to 10 almost doubled us in stocks and that it just that's length you know that's length length. and you're talking about field goal percentage you when you got a guy like zion shooting inside shots you're and and brandon ingram going crazy when your best star is is brandon ingram playing great has 30 often he's an efficient 30 and then our best player De'Aaron, has an inefficient 30 Mm -hmm. that was the difference i just like you said you said the length and, it, yeah, I 100% agree. And I think something has to be said about our quote-unquote shooters. I mean, it's been a lot of times this season. I um, mean, we've only played, like, around 19, 20 games. I feel like our shooters aren't consistent. Like, Kev, sometimes he had that hot streak when he was finally breaking out of his slump and Fox came back where he was, like, not missing for three, four for six, five for seven, uh, six from nine. And then, and then he'll go on uh, streaks where he's like 0 for 3, maybe 1 of 7. Same thing with Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray hasn't had the hottest starts. He's finally getting back to his old self. A little bit scary with the lower back injury, though. But, like, how do you feel about our shooters? It seems like the only one that's been sort of kind of consistent this season has been Malik Monk. Um, Something I think that's interesting, if we can – if we can get a guy like a Trey Murphy or Herb Jones and slip him into Kevin Herter's role, that would help us so much. Herb Jones looked better than Kevin Herter. If we're just talking specifically a spot up shooter, mm-hmm. don't even mention don't even mention the defense. Just yeah. specifically a spot up shooter. Herb Jones looked like a better shooter last night. And which is which is crazy because he brings so much to them defensively. You saw him dunk on three of our players. He's just such a, a way better player than Kevin Herter. And he's like their fifth or sixth best guy. So that it's just he's that's, coming off the bench. So th- we need a guy like that, you know? And it's just like he doesn't need, it's just Kevin Herter 
has a track record, plays, shoots well in the regular season, when it matters. This is a fucking in-season tournament game. This isn't even a playoff game, bro. And he shot like shit. And it's just, uh, we need more. We need more from the shooters. I, you just can't, I can't talk shit about Malik. He's playing his ass off right now. And in, mm-hmm. in the, the minutes that he gets, he's making it, it count. Um, and he won us I, the game against the Warriors. He did. And I, I like that Mike Brown is playing um, Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox a lot more together this season. Like last year, I felt like they didn't get enough minutes on the floor together. But I think that the Warriors series opened, opened Mike Brown's eyes up to like, damn, these, these two Wildcats, Kentucky Wildcats, got a lot of chemistry with each other and he's letting them have some fun out on the court that's something i really do like yeah i like it too bro they're they are a dynamic duo and um they play really well together so does malik and sabonis i, I can't complain about malik i like malik off the bench uh i i just like you said there are some glaring issues with our shooters there's some glaring issues with our number three mm-hmm. uh and harrison barnes yep do you want to talk about the last game uh, that we didn't mention, the Knicks versus the Bucks, a little bit? I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really watch that game. Uh, I, <laughs> I I got busy. I mean, I just just from looking at it, I knew the Knicks didn't have a chance. I just felt yeah. like that that the Knicks the Knicks are gonna Knicks. They don't really rise up to the occasion in big games like this. The first half was uh, really close. It was a very high-scoring game. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was like 67 to like 70-something. The Bucks were up barely. And it was a lot of Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. Um, what happened, though, was in the second half, the Bucks kept that pace and the Knicks didn't. Um, Bucks basically had two 70-point halves. They scored 146 points to beat them by 24, which is actually crazy. The Knicks scored 122 points. Defense was just out the door on this one. Um, wow! But I'm you see seeing, the difference in these two I'm teams. I'm being a box score merchant right now, and I saw that the Bucks uh, made 60% of their field goals and made 60% of their threes. Yeah, they shot the lights out. It was, it was, uh, it was crazy. Um, Malik Beasley, he's hitting his midseason stride as he does almost every year. It's like the, he starts off slow. He midseason he starts getting hotter, and then it just starts to taper off towards the end of the year. But right now he's playing really good. This is the piece that they need on this team, especially with Chris Middleton playing the way he is. Oh my God, Chris Middleton just doesn't look like an athlete anymore, man. Like, he doesn't look like – he doesn't move like an athlete. He moves like like, like Clay Thompson when he just got back from his injury. Like, it just – it doesn't look good. Like, I, I was pretty optimistic just seeing him try to get at least semi-close to where he was, but it doesn't look good at all, bro. He looks kind of like a, a cone out there. Yeah. Well, going back to your Malik Beasley point, in his last 10 games, he's been averaging 15 points, 5 rebounds on 51% shooting and 47% from 3. Yeah, and he's you're a, right. He's this a is, fantasy pickup right now. He's he's one of the best role players right now and that the and the Bucks can't really ask for more from him. I think he's he's really taking into uh Chris Middleton's scoring role a lot. I mean, but it's all going to be a committee cuz Chris Middleton did a lot for this team. Yeah. Yeah, well, Bucks uh, move on. They're gonna play the the Pacers, and the Pelicans are gonna move on and play the Lakers. Um, real quick, let's just let's get your predictions. I want predictions from both sides, winners of both sides, and then winner of it all. Okay. So I think for the Pacers, Bucks. I think that the Pacers are gonna win. Oh. The Pacers are gonna win. And Why? then and then, I think that the Pacers will win. Just because, like I said earlier, this is a type of tournament for them. And the Pacers have kind of had the Bucks number this season. I think they played earlier this season, and it was really close. It was more of a shootout. But all these in-season tournament games, whatever it is about the courts or the jerseys, uh, maybe they have a new one for Vegas. But it seems like Tyrese Halliburton seems to go off. Like he and the Hawks had another shootout, had a shootout a couple of weeks back. In an in-season tournament game, they nearly like broke a record or something for most points scored. 
definitely the most points scored in in-season tournament history. But I, th- I think that these are the type of games where they'll benefit. Plus, the Bucks defense hasn't gotten any better. So it's going to be another shootout. And if, if we're relying on shootouts, I think that the Pacers will win. Yeah. All right, on the other side. Pelicans, Lakers. <sighs> this is a tough one for me to wrap my head around. But I'm just going to go. It, it is. It's kind of weird. They play, they play so <laughs> different. One team on paper looks way better, but then the other team also has LeBron James. And yeah. seeing that the way that LeBron James was able to respond to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant tonight, it's it's giving me confidence that he'll be able to rise to the occasion for the NBA Cup. And then, like, even in this post-game interview today, he was talking about how to be the inaugural champion of the post, I mean, of the NBA Cup, it means something to him. And that's something that he'll always have over Jordan, and I think that's going to bring the best in him. So in the finals, I got Lakers against Pacers. And then who else to take it home? And the NBA script could not have done it better than to make LeBron James the first winner of the NBA Cup. That would and be the first, the first MVP. I'm doing it just purely for the narrative. I think uh, <laughs> Lakers versus Pacers for the NBA Cup. And LeBron James and the Lakers winning it all. Interesting. I'm I'm gonna have to go opposite, bro. I think the Bucks are gonna are, are gonna stomp on the Pacers. They're no, they have no answer for Giannis. I think mm-hmm. uh, Gian, the last time they played was they were without Dame, and Giannis uh, dropped like some crazy number on them. Um, but on the other side, I think the Pelicans. You talk about LeBron. Uh, a big reason of their success tonight was Austin Reeves, bro. And when you put a guy like Trey Murphy on him, he's not going to play that good. He's not going to have what he had tonight. Uh, and and then when you put a guy like Herb Jones on Braun, I'm just I just I just envision a lot of complaining from Braun all night. Like hey, he's hitting me, all this bullshit. And it's gonna be it's gonna be tougher for for the King. Um, AD if he has a good game. We could we we'll see about that uh, if if Jonas can can fucking defend without fouling, but I could see them beating them if LeBron is shooting well and if AD is playing out of his mind. But I you can count on Austin Reeves getting shut down and you can count on LeBron having a much tougher time than he had tonight. So I just I just don't see the Lakers outscoring the Pelicans, um, especially now that they're healthy. Yeah. Uh and and the Pelicans are a younger team that probably want this game just a tad more than the the Lakers. And then to win it all, ah, that's a tough one. Pelicans and Bucks. Er, I don't know. Let me see. <laughs> Let me just think. Let me just think. First of all, that's going to be a good game. If if that comes to happen, that'll be a good game. But I think any outcome will lead to a good game because you could also have Lakers Bucks, and that'll be a good game. You can also have um, Pelicans Bucks. I mean, that's the game that you're talking about right now, and that's gonna be a good game too. I don't know how many people would really tune in to watch the Lakers and Pacers. Well, I think I think a lot of players know about Tyrese Halliburton, and he doesn't get a lot of national TV shine. So, Bro, did you hear that his last that last game was his first TNT game ever of his yes, career? His first TNT game, and he's gonna That's get insane. another one. Yeah, it's it's damning how the Jazz have more national TV games than the Pacers. Yeah, That's it's tough. The when they're going, they're fun to watch though. But yeah, uh, Pelicans versus Bucks. Ah, oh, I'd probably go with the Pelicans, man, because. Pelicans. Let's see what Willie Green does against the Bucks team and does against Giannis, but I I don't I don't know I because I, the well, Bucks they got the length too. I think the Pelicans got the length to contain Giannis, but they might be lacking the 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 absolute size. They both both sides have genetic athletic freaks, so it's going to be Zion versus Giannis, which will be a, a quite a battle to watch. You know what? I'm gonna take the Bucks. Uh, I think I think uh, Dame might be a little bit too much for them. I don't know who they're gonna slap on Dame. So, uh, and Giannis is gonna get his buckets. It doesn't matter who the fuck is in front of him. So I, I'm gonna take the Bucks. I say the Bucks beat the Pelicans. Pelicans beat the Lakers. 
obviously Bucks beat the Pacers, and that's my take. Okay, so Enoch Enoch got the Pelicans and Bucks with the Bucks winning it, and I got the I got the Lakers against the Pacers, and I got LeBron James and the Lakers winning it. Okay, very different, um, actually opposite predictions. But let's see, let's see, let's see who gets it this time. We're probably probably end up both being wrong, but it's whatever. All right, I think that's gonna do it for this one. Yes, sir. Um, wrapping up episode 20. As always, we appreciate you guys. Um, it's been a great start to the season. And we're going to continue uh, continue recording. And we love y'all. And uh, looking forward to seeing who's going to be right, me or Angus, in this in-season tournament finale that's about to come up. Yes, sir. The inaugural NBA Cup. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we had a great time today. We'll see y'all later, and peace. Peace.